You're listening to the Multiverse Fancast, proud member of the Misfit Faction Media Network. All right, then. On with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Multiverse Fancast. Don't forget, you can take us on the go with Podbeam, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, or any other of the fine listening stations that are available at your fingertips. You can also check out our content on the website, themisfitfaction.com. We are happy that you have that you have decided to join us on this wonderful late February, possibly early March, depending on when you're listening to us. We are recording a little bit early because we are anticipating the drop of The Batman. And in anticipation of that, we're going to talk today a little bit about our supporting players, a little bit about our expectations, and overall where we're headed with the, maybe with the DCEU. As always, I'm Rob. And thanks for joining me. And to my right is Ronnie. Hi, Ronnie. Hello. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you on this great, great day? Are you excited for all the things that are coming up in the next month? Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) And on my left here is the always, he's trying to now figure out which side is the left, Paul. Hi, Paul. How are you? The always trying to figure out which side is left, Paul. Oh man, I thought I was going to get a nice, nice little title there. But I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. How are you today, Rob? I'm doing good. Are you still doing good, knowing that I'm not going to edit out any of your flubs? It's what gives it character. It's what gives it character. <laughs> I can is speak well. I teach it the English. But yes, today we are talking Batman. But first, before we get to Batman, let's talk a little bit about some of the programs that we here at M- at the Misfit Faction and Multiverse Fancast offer for you, our listeners. Paul? Well, if you guys are looking to start your own podcast and want to speak better English than any of us put together, we also have for you guys as a gift to our listeners, because we do get that question a lot. A lot of people ask, you know, how do I start my own show? How do I go about it? Like, what's the process? How does it work? And I've been you, asking that question for the past two months. I know. It's weird when people ask us podcast <laughs> advice, but we have something called our affiliate program where basically if you're looking to start your own show, if you go to podbean.com slash misfitfaction, you'll get one month of free podcasting from us. That's a thank you to all of our loyal listeners because, you know, without you guys, the show wouldn't be where it is and we want to help people grow. And also, if you are looking to start your own show, reach out to us. We're always looking to include new shows in the network and uh, a lot easier to get started when you already have some friends. But that's uh, podbean.com slash misfitfaction. But also, if you guys are a small business owner, you have an online store, anything along those lines, and you want to advertise. There are literally billions of podcasts in the world nowadays. There's podcasts for everything. So if you have um, some sort of specialized item or product or service that you do, you can go to sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfitfaction. And as a gift from us, you get $100 of free advertising. And those advertisements get put into hundreds, if not thousands of different podcasts, not just our show, but you'd be included on podcasts from all around the world. Now, if you're looking to support the show a little bit more, we do have our brand new Misfit Faction store that is up on our website right now. So if you guys go to themisfitfaction.com and click on the link, the Misfit store, I believe it is. You are correct, sir. Thanks, Ronnie, because Ronnie was the uh, the brains behind that particular operation. You can order. Uh, we have brand new shirts. We have more stuff coming, too. So make sure if you guys already ordered something, take a look back at the store in the next couple of weeks. I know Bibliophiles Assemble is adding. They just changed their logo, so they're adding their new shirt and I think a mug. We are looking at more athletic shirts in the near future. We wanted to do hoodies when the weather gets a little bit colder again. 
right? And of course, we have Ronnie wants to do hats because Ronnie's a hat kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. But that's uh, themisfitfaction.com, and then you can click on the Misfit store when you get to the webpage. All right. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for being so much more eloquent, too, than me. I do this a lot. <laughs> no, you've got several several shows in the it's, can. It's funny, because if you don't tell Rod that he's hosting, he's fine. He'll be fine. But the second he's like, I'll host. That's <laughs> all, it's like English. English second language. Right, it's, it's I don't the, know speak. <laughs> it's the idea that, it, yeah, if you surprise me, I'm like, I'm good. I'm I'm game. I'm yeah. all in. But if I've been thinking about it for too long, I, I think seven minutes. I know. No, I've been thinking. I thought about it on the way here too. That was fourteen minutes then. <laughs> That's so, a long time. I know, right? <laughs> so we are recording this show a little early. In fact, we are recording this show on the day that uh, our last podcast actually came out. So as a result, we do not have any news now. Why we are recording this early? You might be asking. I gave you a second there to ask. So the reason is because we it's are like none of us. Dora the Explorer. <laughs> That's Can right, Boots. Map? <laughs> oh no, Boots has fallen down. What do we need? Toothpaste. Gonna a be, chainsaw. It's gonna be really awkward when I have to edit out that that gap, and people are like, "What are they talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we are not all going to be around next weekend, or at least we are going to be around, just not available because we've got plans. Because Ronnie is going to be getting married. Very very marriage. Yeah. Marriage is what brings us together. He is going to be married very soon, so we are bringing him out this weekend on a very gentlemanly like weekend. Uh, so we decided. Well, I don't to... want to go then. Neither <laughs> <laughs> do I, actually. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're lots of uh, uh, smoking jackets, cigars, and uh, bourbon. So or yeah. or vaping if you're a teenage kid. <laughs> but Sounds yes, like we, a plan. Are, we are going to be doing that. So as a result, we decided to record early. So as a result, we are changing the format a little bit so i get like i said we don't have any news but what we are going to do is talk a little bit about the batman now we're going to start off this week because this is the last week before the batman opens Mm -hmm. we are spending some time talking about some of the supporting characters that we expect to see in the batman and where these characters have been over the past x number of years in other forms of media so when you think about batman and you think about who his most important supporting characters are, who's one person that comes to mind immediately? The baby. condiment king. <laughs> I was going to say baby powder. That suit probably chafes. Yeah. Uh, biggest supporter you can get as a yeah. superhero. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not talking about an athletic supporter. Oh, I am talking, oh. yes, I am talking about a crime supporter and not the one that supports crime like the condiment king. <laughs> I am talking about... Ace the Bat Hound. <laughs> we will talk about Ace the Bat Hound. The Batmobile. No, we are first talking about... Who are we talking about first? The Bat Pole. <laughs> the Bat Elevator. Free Associate. Go! Bat Wing. Pants. Uh, Dang it. <laughs> I messed it up. No, we are going to be talking about his one of his most loyal and trustworthy mm-hmm. and Very. one of the longest running characters in the Batman mythos, even longer than Robin, because uh, I know a lot of people, you think Batman, you think Batman and Robin, you know, the dynamic duo, but we are talking first and foremost his loyal... I want to say butler, but like in all honesty, more than that. Sur- yeah. surrogate father almost. Yeah. Mr. Alfred Pennyworth. Yes, Alfred the butler, one half of my proposed film project. So Alfred, so I guess the first question I want to ask before we even start looking at the different Alfreds is what role, Ronnie, would you say Alfred fits in the life of 
Bruce Wayne and Batman. Well, actually, let's just go Bruce Wayne. What what role does he play in the life of Bruce Wayne? For Bruce Wayne, he's more of, you know, Paul alluded to, like a father figure. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know the story about his dad. You know, so he's the one that kind of raised him and taught him all about life, really. So, you know, when you think of someone like that, you think of your father. So he's like, he's a father figure, if not really his father growing up. How about who is he to Batman? I feel like he's a like a moral compass, almost. Okay. You know, he's the one that can, you know, rein him in, tell him like, "Hey, you're, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing this instead." You know, so I think he's the one that kind of keeps him on track from really going to that dark side. Okay, that's a different character. No, it's not. Oh, okay. Paul, who does who does Alfred play for you? What 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 do you want out of an Alfred? I think Alfred is the character that can. Not only is he the father figure, the one that took care of Bruce Wayne, especially after the death of the Waynes, but also the one that keeps him the most accountable. You know, you have characters like Robin, who until Robin became Nightwing, he didn't really stand up to Batman. Like, it was whatever Batman said was the way that it goes. You know, Titans does a very good job with that, you know, that dynamic, that relationship. But Alfred is the one that he can look Bruce in the eye and say, you're not right. Mm -hmm. Like, you've you've lost your way in this regards. And... He's also the one that's going to be bandaging his wounds and and cleaning him up and also taking care of the home. You know, they do every Alfred does a great job with a certain aspect of the Alfred philosophy. There there hasn't been a bad Alfred per se, and that's a rare thing for so many of these characters. You know, Batman, Robin, Superman, whoever it is, there are bad iterations of those characters. It's just the way that it is, unfortunately. But Alfred, you watch any of the movies or TV shows, ninety nine point nine percent of the time. That Alfred is nailing that role. Yes. Is there, depending upon the movie universe that we're in, does Alfred play different roles? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'd say, like, you watch, like, the original Keaton stuff and then, you know, the Schumacher stuff. Alfred is more, he's very in the background. He's mm-hmm. very much the, you know, I'm just cleaning up after after Bruce Wayne kind of yep. thing. And ironically, his most emotional portrayal is until Batman and Robin, where he's dying. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 You know, so for me, Alfred... Depending on the movie, it really shows how important and how important Rob Alfred is. And it's funny because you watch the original, the Keaton to the Schumacher and all that stuff. He's the only character that really doesn't change throughout that whole process. Yeah, Him yeah. and Commissioner Gordon, who we're the talk only about. time I really felt that he changed was when we saw the Snyderverse Alfred, where Alfred yeah. was like an actual part of the action plan yes. that was happening. Mm-hmm. You were, you he had a much more... I, I definitely agree. Jeremy Irons. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely was more there for Batman than for Bruce Wayne, while our previous ones with Michael Caine and Michael Goff, they were more for Bruce Wayne than than they were for Batman, really. Okay. So it seems a little bit that Alfred is the evening factor for Bruce Wayne slash Batman. So let me ask Paul then, where is there a danger in having an Alfred that only addresses one side of that character, either a Bruce Wayne or a Batman? I don't think we've ever really had that issue. I think, like like Ronnie said, there are times where, where Alfred favors the one. But again, that's based on the writing, right? Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you, you look at the Michael Keaton stuff like... He really he does work with Batman like you see him like helping with like the Batman stuff but really he's there for Bruce Wayne and then you get you know you jump to Michael Caine who is the only Alfred that I disagree with one of his decisions that I didn't Which like Which one is that? Oh uh, at during the Dark Knight uh, Rises yeah. where he leaves Bruce Wayne in okay. the middle of it it just felt very oh, okay. it like, felt a yeah, little Yeah doesn't he say something like I can't do this anymore Yeah or it's very like... out of character for yeah. like 
he leaves Bruce to it's, die. It's very selfish. And he's like, I can't watch you kill yourself. And, <laughs> oh, yes. I, and I get it, but it's just it was one of those things that just didn't sit well. It's almost mm. like Michael Caine had better things to do. Because <laughs> he's gone from the movie yeah, until the yeah. very end. But uh, otherwise, and then you get like Jeremy Irons, who's literally like flying the bat wing at certain points. Yeah. And I think the the thing about Alfred is, and we'll talk about it when we talk speculation, because Andy Circus is coming up next. And Alfred, for me, has always been that... He's whatever Bruce Wayne needs. Unfortunately, he okay. can be a little bit of a of a writing crutch for mm-hmm. Batman characters. He's whatever whatever lesson Bruce Wayne still has to learn, he learns it from Alfred, not from Robin, not from, you know, mm-hmm. Batgirl or whoever it is, or even Jim Gordon. It's he's learning it from Alfred. And from what I've seen with these different Alfreds, different Alfreds have a different way of uh, imparting that lesson onto Bruce, whether it's through, you know, Michael Caine, you know, being much more direct and confrontational, whereas, you know, Michael Goff's from the the Burton ones is more like a suggestion, like, you know, oh, yeah. Mr. Wayne, I didn't think you would ever need something like this. And then it, you know, makes him think, you agree to that or what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that, you know. Excuse me. Yeah, Mike, Michael Caine was, I feel, more, like you said, more assertive while okay. Goff was just kind of like... Like passive, you know, like passive aggressive towards him. Like maybe it would be better. While well, my game was like, no, it would be better for you to do this. Hmm. So let's go through some of these Alfreds that we've seen. The earliest Alfred we have is Alan Napier from Batman, the television show, mm-hmm. where I, I, if I remember correctly, I don't remember him playing a very important role. He was very much like. Oh, just kind of around. So like he yeah. would, he would wear like a mask every once in a while when what he was like yeah. he would occasionally like have to do Batman things. Okay. Like in the Batman the 66 movie, you know, with the some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Oh, yeah. He's driving the Batmobile with Robin while they're doing surveillance and he's wearing like a diamond like a domino oh, mask. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> like he would do things like that and but unfortunately like that show is just so goofy. Oh yeah. Like well, just keeping track of Alfred at all. And I think Alfred was very much, you know, at that point, Alfred was still very much the butler. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, yeah. he was there. He was there to do what Batman wanted or needed. He wasn't so much the, the moral com- compass, as you said earlier. All right. After that one, then we, I guess the next live, and, and we are, we will touch on animated in a minute. The next live action one we have is Michael Goff's in the Tim Burton universe, where he was in it for all four. And, uh, one of the only characters. Yeah, one of the, excuse me, one of the only actors. Yes, one of the few actors, if only actor, to be in all four. And Commissioner Gordon was in all four, also. Was he really? Yeah, no. that same. Okay, I'll, we'll get to him. So, Ronnie, your thoughts on Michael Goff? You know, like I said earlier, I think he he was pretty good. You know, he was just again for the most part, he was just there to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like you can't have Bruce Wayne without having Michael Goff, and there was. A lot of Bruce Wayne stuff in the Burton Schumacher series. Now he, I believe, is one of the oldest Alfreds that we have. Oh, probably. probably yeah, he was. Yeah. He was up there to begin with when he first started. Right. Is is and and one of the youngest ones. Gosh, might be the new one, Andy Serkis. Uh, Movie wise, I think so. But then I think the TV show, obviously, Sean, we had Sean Pertwee. From, from Gotham. Oh, from Gotham. I but think also, he might be. we have Pennyworth, too, which right. is... Well, yeah. Yeah. So, of all the Batman shows or, or movies, you know, is it is having an older Batman doing a disservice to their relationship? Or is it... Do you need a younger Batman? Or, or is it... Is there some wisdom that comes with that age? I, I will... I'll 
bury the lead at this point. And uh, I'll, I'll say that my favorite Batman and Alfred dynamic was in Batman vs Superman. Like this, mm-hmm. it was the first time that we didn't get. We got a little bit of it with Michael Caine, but it was the first time we had a Batman and Alfred where Alfred was very quick to start calling Bruce Wayne out, and that's yes. after them working together for twenty yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Like he. When, you know, in the very beginning of the film, when you find out that Batman's branding people, like, Alfred calls him out. He's like, is, are these our new rules? Is this what we do now? Yeah. And then they eventually have their their heated argument about how dangerous Superman actually is. And, and you know, Alfred's the one that, that notices that there's something happening to Batman in those films. And mm-hmm. he's the one that keeps calling it out. And even though he's still going to be there and be loyal to Batman, he's still the first one to be like... Hey, like this is what turns good men cruel, and you're you're going down this path. Mm. But I think, I think we we have a very unique advantage in, in Batman and Alfred that we've seen almost every level of their um, relationship, relationship yeah. Yeah. to a point. We've seen the brand new Batman with the younger Alfred. We've seen we've been doing this for a while, Batman and, and Alfred, and now we've seen you know we're at the end of our career almost, right. Batman and Alfred. And I think having a Batman and Alfred where there's an age difference of maybe like 20-ish years, I think is ideal for uh, that relationship. We don't – Michael Goff was obviously the older Alfred, and that dynamic worked. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem, though. Like Jeremy Irons is probably – you know, he was in his 60s. I, I Yeah. I guess then what it comes down to is that is is should Alfred be static or should he be dynamic? You know, because I guess the Michael Goff character – is very much a static character. He doesn't show growth, mm-hmm. whereas like Michael Caine's Alfred shows growth because we see it over the course of, of three films. And actually, uh, how many years do you think the trilogy takes place? Because he starts... They say the last one takes place seven years after, I think. Something so, like that. And the first Batman, you know, he's... Al- Bruce Wayne, when he runs away, is like 21, and he's Comes like back around 30 when he becomes Batman. And then, it, you know, he's only like 37, 38 at the end of it. So there's a good maybe 20 years. I mean, if you don't count the death of the Waynes, yeah. almost 20 years. So, like, we see a great deal of growth with that character. So is should Alfred be dynamic or should he be static? I think in some regards he should be static, but for the most part, Alfred was never a dynamic character in the comics. Right, he that's was, why I asked. He was almost like a Watson type character. Yeah. Like even the way he looked when he first was uh, created, he was you know portly, he was bald. I like, saw that. He looked like John Watson from Sherlock Holmes yes. to a degree. And then it wasn't until the first live action bat- fun fact fanny pack pulling this out. Not until the first live action interpretation of him in 1943 with the serial movies that they have a younger Alfred or a, an Alfred right. that's looked change the comic look Mm -hmm. so for me like alfred was never it's only much more recent years that suddenly alfred's gotten this huge backstory and just been fleshed out and i i think he's a character with a a rich history at this point that can be explored he's got his own show yeah Yeah. Um, now is is that show okay (coughs) according to that show and i'm going to get to ronnie in a minute with that dynamic static character uh, question in the show he served in like the royal the, the the Queen's Royal Navy or something like something that? along those lines yeah is that is, is that created for the show or is that something comic based they put it in the comics that he has military experience okay and he's one of those characters that yeah. they can kind of play around with it all right so they, it's but it's yeah. not specific no they they talk about that too in Gotham mm-hmm. as well okay. they they and in to it. Uh, and in the Dark Knight yes he mentions his men in Burma okay yeah, yeah. all right so he's got military history but we just don't mm-hmm. know specifically what it is all yes. right Ronnie static or dynamic 
So that's a tough one. I think it depends. Like if you were getting like a single movie mm-hmm. with with him, he's he's got to be uh, static. But if we're gonna have you know a trilogy or you know multiple movies, then I could see him becoming a little bit more dynamic. Like we said, like we kind of have with like Michael Caine almost. So I, I guess it, it really just depends. But overall, he should be static. Okay. So I, I, I'm curious then as to what Andy Serkis will do. But before we get to Andy Serkis, let's talk about – let's talk Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons, I, I have to say, was a – for me, I really enjoyed him. He is one of my favorite yes. Alfreds mm-hmm. because he is someone that is – he. Ha, I think he had the tr- the most amount of character to him. Michael Caine is, definitely has a lot of character, but I felt like Michael Caine was doing Michael Caine. I didn't feel like there was much of a departure for the actor. Whereas Jeremy Irons, like I, and and Paul and Ronnie will probably remember this: the scene where he is in the new just in the new Justice League, the Snyder cut, mm-hmm. where he is showing Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman how to brew tea properly. Yeah, what yeah. a lovely scene that is, and and he's he's like showing the leaves and how to do it. And like it, it just reveals so much character, and it has nothing to do with the plot. So, what do we think about Jeremy Irons? I know you've mentioned you're. Uh, opinion on Jeremy Irons. Ronnie? I would agree with Paul. I think he's the best one that we've had so far. Obviously, we got to see how Andy Serkis does. But I think just the fact that we kind of get a little bit more of him being involved with hands-on Batman, not just sitting in the cave, you know, and like communicating through an earpiece. This was a little bit more like, you know, we see him actually doing stuff and, you know, you know, Batman versus Superman, as well as in Justice League, you know, he helps, you know, Bruce find Flash, Wonder Woman, all the, you know, characters in Justice League, you know, instead of just sitting behind a desk, basically, he gets a little bit more hands on. Yeah, he's, he's um, not doing butlery activities. Exactly, yeah. But then, like you say, you know, in the Snyder Cut, you see him being a little bit more of like the butlery type, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, there's outfit. not a, there's not a whole lot of him like doing the traditional like butler stuff. Like he cleans yeah. up a little bit, like the the lake house, but that's about it. Yeah, who cleans Goth the, the the Wayne Manor? Alfred. Alfred. I never see him cleaning in the animated show. He does. Now a I've lot. watched Downton Abbey, and I know how much it takes to clean a mansion. Alfred is not cleaning that entire house. In the Dark well, Knight series, they do like when they throw the big party, they have a whole team of people. So I wouldn't okay. be surprised if like other people are there, but like Alfred's obviously like there's probably like maids and you know I, I would assume there's maids because technically, if you think butlers don't really clean, butlers are more of just a service, and you have the maids that right. do the cleaning. But I don't so, ever remember seeing support staff in Wayne Manor. It's usually just been like the two of them. I can't exactly point out, but I definitely remember seeing people like in you got this. Sugar Plum Fairies. What? The <laughs> Batman. I want to say Batman Begins. It's, I think. Okay. With the party, with the thirty with birthday party. That one. I, I feel like there was people, it's and then they didn't cook all that food. And then you had um, in the Dark Knight Rises, they have people working yes. there. In the Dark Mask Knight of Phantasm. Oh, I don't Andre Beaumont's mom worked at Wayne Manor. Oh, okay. Okay. Also, in Batman Begins, they mention Rachel Dawes' mom works there. Right. So okay. I can. Assu- it's safe to assume that like the the Wayne Manor has a staff team. Like somebody's got to do the grounds. Some like sure. it's, yeah. it's a lot of work. We're just at the point where we only see other support staff for that during actual events in the in the movies at least, right? So you watch the movies, you you see a lot of other staff. Like in the first Batman film, 
uh, in the 89, they have the big party there, and there's a ton of people working there. Alfred's still picking up after people. And like yeah. Every time Persuade puts a, something down, he goes yeah. and picks it up. <laughs> but uh, I guess like it's not really something that they ever think about. No, no. It's sort of like the uh, you know in Return of the Jedi, no one ever talks about the construction crew on the uh, Death Star. <laughs> uh, yeah. same, same for the first one, though, too. That's a lot of people died. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So then the only other two... Alfred's that I want to mention is, and this one isn't going to cause much of a discussion. Douglas Hodge, yes, from, from the Joker. Joker, yep. We get a brief glimpse of him. He seems there. more like a bodyguard in that yeah. movie than I anything else. I don't remember else. him at all. So there is a scene where uh, Arthur Fleck. Arthur Fleck goes to Wayne Manor, and it's a scene in the trailers you see where he puts his literally puts his hands in Bruce Wayne's mouth yeah. and makes him smile. Right, I remember that. It's jarring, he, and he does it because he he believes that uh, Thomas Wayne is yeah, his dad. Oh, yeah. I I know who Douglas Hodge is. I so, love that actor. Yeah, so yeah. he he steps in and he tells Arthur, Arthur to take a walk. Yes. But yeah, I don't even know if they, they might re- reference him by name. I only saw the movie once because I, I just didn't like it. Yeah, yeah. same here. But was, who's the other one? Raph Fiennes. Yes. Yeah. In Lego Batman. Who Arg- Arguably one of the top two. I, between yeah. him and Jeremy Irons, it's really tough for me to pick. But also, I would like to point out the animated series. We will get to that. Okay, just making sure. But yeah, I wanted to, I want to talk about Lego Batman's Alfred, who is has some of the best one-liners, and, and yeah. is I think not only the moral compass, but is also that guiding father as well. In in you know, he's the one that helps Bruce to realize that you know what he really longs for is a family, and that's his big fear. And that's and Bruce says, "No, no, it's snake clowns," because you put that there. Yep. Alfred from Lego Batman. What about him? Oh, thoughts? thoughts? I I think he's a great interpretation of the character. He definitely takes the the fatherly figure. Because mm. the thing about the Lego Batman movie, it's all these characters personified times a thousand. Like it's yeah. all the core of of these characters is there, and then it's dialed up to eleven because it's supposed to be funny. Like you know, Robin's extra goofy and super acrobatic, like Jim Cotta and all that stuff. You know, and then even Batman, even though he's it's com- it's comedic. Right. It's still all the core things about Batman. Oh, yeah. Just just really, it really is one yeah. of the best Batman films. And it, it's a love letter, and that that same mentality applies to Alfred, where he is the heart of the, and I, gets involved. I, I can yeah. argue that Alfred is the heart of the Bat family. Mm-hmm. And yes. uh, here's another fun fact, fanny pack. All right, Alfred is the only member of the Bat family that Batman condones carrying a firearm. He he doesn't even really want mm-hmm. Jason Todd carrying them, but Alfred is the only one that Batman. Mm-hmm actually is fine with it. And he usually carries a 12-gauge shotgun because he's a boss. <laughs> oh, Raph, yeah. Raph fine for you? Yeah, he was fine. I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. No, I, again, I, I just got to agree with Paul. I think he did a great job. You know, it, it, it's almost... But then again, I'm like, Alfred's not supposed to be funny okay. in, in my eyes. So it's like one of those, like, I'm torn because, like, I really loved the character in mm-hmm. Lego Batman, mm-hmm. but I'm also like, I feel like this really shouldn't be how Alfred acts, you know, it, in, in situations. Is he dignified in it? Yeah. So can you be funny and dignified? Yes, you can. Okay. Yeah. Is, is that enough? That's because Rob's trying to reassure himself. <laughs> I, I can do it. I can be <laughs> He's funny. fine. Yeah, no, it, it, that that is enough. Again, yeah. I just like, from what we've seen, it's just... Almost like a complete opposite of what yeah. we've seen. So it's like, does this really work, or is this just a one-off kind of? It works. Okay. So now that we've discussed all of these Alfreds and and sort of like what we want in an Alfred, where do we 
What do we expect from Andy Serkis? Now, what, what are some of the past Andy Serkis roles we know him from? Well, we obviously know him as Gollum. Dr. Claw, Ronnie, is that one? <laughs> I didn't say, I never said Dr. Claw. Okay, I said bef- Claw. Before okay. we started rolling, uh, Ronnie was convinced that Andy Serkis played the Claw from the Inspector Gadget. I did not. I said he played Claw. I never said Inspector Gadget. You said Inspector Gadget. And so we determined that what he was thinking of was that he plays Ulysses Claw from, Ulysses Bla- from Claw. Black Panther. From so Black I was Panther. right. He played Claw. <laughs> You brought up you brought up Inspector Gadget. I yeah, didn't. But I'd you like didn't. to put on the record that I, w- I went upstairs to use the bathroom, and I came downstairs, and they were hot in debate <laughs> about this. <laughs> so Andy Serkis, what do, what do we usually associate with Andy Serkis? Usually motion capture uh, right. is, is more famous roles. You know, you got your Gollum. You have mm-hmm. your, your Caesar for Planet of the Apes. Oh, right. Most, that is what he's mostly famous for. But also, I, I'll agree with Ronnie. He's fantastic as Ulysses Claw. Mm-hmm. And he steals the scenes whenever he's mm-hmm. in that in, in any of those films because he's in uh, Age of Ultron and Black Panther. Yep. If memory serves correct, he also was a uh, Snoke. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Oh right. <laughs> <sighs> All right, I'm triggered. <laughs> wow, really? I hate those movies. You did you like the Force Awakens? I like the Force Awakens, but the Last <laughs> Jedi destroyed it for you. And Rise of Skywalker. I would. How many times have you seen the Last Jedi? Once in its See, entirety. I would mm-hmm. argue that no. a second no. watch actually makes it no. better because your expectations no. are so skewed <laughs> no. when you're first going in. And he, you know, no. Ryan Johnson kind of diverts your expectations. No, it's because you're a Ryan Johnson fan, just like you're a Chloe Zhao fan. Just and you'll because, still defend Eternals. Just because I met Ryan Johnson once doesn't mean that I'm his fan forever. Yeah, you it dropped you, that. Yeah, because you have that tattoo on your lower back at this point. <laughs> I, did, I met him when he was What's he was fact? out. He was promoting his very one of his first films, Brick, and I met him then. And, wow, uh, this, is, this is a really cool story. <laughs> But he is. I, I like. Okay, I would agree that if you're if you are a hardcore Star Wars fan, that he did not do what you wanted. But at least he was trying something different. If I'm also Mark Hamill, I wasn't happy either. Yes, apparently. Mark Hamill was not. Yeah. But Mark Hamill isn't necessarily the definitive voice on Star Wars either. He Let's take a, a deep voice. breath before we get into some sort of trouble because those not, are just fighting words right there. With, not even with me, but also the fans. Mark Hamill is a voice, but not the definitive. I would I would argue that I Who? don't know if there is a definitive voice. I, George Lucas? No, I was going to no, say, George Lucas, say George Lucas, and then Lucas. I, I walked back on that. It is definitely not George Lucas. At I one don't, point, I don't it is have definitely a problem. Not Kathleen I actually Kennedy. don't have a problem with Ryan Johnson. Knives Out is fantastic. Oh yeah, but. Uh, you can't walk. Same thing. You you guys have a problem with Zack Snyder for all the differences he did in in DC. Fair enough. You guys. So, you you do too. Don't even. Well, yeah, I guess. Kind I've of. actually kind watched. Of. I've actually watched the Snyder cut a second time. All right. Ooh, that's four. Well, that's just that's because I don't want to sit there for get that back. Long. Yeah, <laughs> but for me, it's it's the same thing. Like you can't walk into a major franchise and make. There's differences between minor differences, and then you. Can't, I hate to say it, you can't do that to Star Wars. So back to Alfred Pennyworth. What? Let me ask this: What character traits do you usually associate with Andy Serkis? In re- just eccentric. As, okay. Yeah. He, but he can play that serious role, like as a, it, evidenced where. I would argue Caesar from Planet Caesar. of the Apes. It's a fantastic portrayal, mm-hmm. and he's able to convey so much emotion when it's not even really him. Okay, and and now I've only watched the 
I think I only watched the first Planet of the Apes. I've heard they're great. I saw three. I'm just not a Planet of the Apes fan. I, I can't Same. get into that. Maybe if Ryan Johnson directed it. Is Caesar a... <laughs> is Caesar a dignified, reserved individual that shows emotion? Yes. Okay, so... And that's part of the problem, especially in the second one when he has a problem with another ape. And I know this isn't a Planet of the Apes mm. podcast, but literally it's not until the very end that he finally lets his emotions because he wants to live peacefully with humans. That's the whole point. Like he wants to just, we're here, we're apes here, humans there. We don't need to do so anything. Maybe that's where he's going to be drawing his Alfred from is that idea of a dignified individual who has this undercurrent of emotion that can't always express it, but it does come out in small gestures and in small, like I'm movements. worried about Alfred in this movie because of the huge scar. No, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> The the trailers have been really leading towards one line, and Bruce. In a lot of the trailers, Bruce Wayne says, "You lied to me, Alfred." Mm-hmm. Like I don't want Alfred Batman drama. I don't like Alfred Batman drama. Mm. You know, we've only really seen it once or twice. I don't mind Alfred and Batman arguing with each other, and mm-hmm. be, and you know, especially Alfred being the real moral compass that keeps Batman grounded. But I don't need like a whole. You lied to me because my parents died doing this, not doing... Like, something like that. Okay. Like, I don't need, like, amazing Spider-Man level of, <laughs> like, drama from, like, a past thing. Yeah. Okay. That, so that sort need, of thing. You need to be able to rely on Alfred. Yeah. Okay. What do you expect from this, Alfred? Um, nothing. No, ex- not a single <laughs> expect. I can't be disappointed now. Exactly. No, I'm getting too hard of a read on what exactly we're going to get. Are we going to get some sort of version of Jeremy Irons' portrayal? Mm-hmm. Or is it going to be a little bit more Michael Caine-ish? I think finding that happy medium because Batman needs Alfred just as much as Bruce Wayne does as well. I don't know how much Bruce Wayne we're going to get in this, though. That's kind of where it's like... It's hard to determine what kind of Alfred we're going to get. I would love to see some sort of balance, though, between, like I said, a Bruce Wayne Alfred and a Batman Alfred, where he does still is that moral compass, but will still help Batman do whatever Batman needs to do to succeed. Okay. Now, how does the animated universe play a role in this? Uh, so I, I think I'm the only one out of all of us that yeah. have watched the majority of, if not all of the DCAU, as it's lovingly yeah, called. I've the seen, DC. I think, three or four films at so, best. So I, I watched all of Batman the Animated Series. You know, Al, Alfred's been a big staple. And he, one of the best episodes, and this is a great segue into our next uh, character that we're going to talk about, is there's an episode where it seems that Batgirl dies. Okay. And... Commissioner Gordon, like she, he finds her like dying in the road. It's it's graphic. It is like intense. Takes off her mask and realizes it's her, his daughter. And he figures out who Bruce Wayne is and who Batman is. And he lays siege to Wayne Manor in retribution to arrest Batman for basically letting his daughter die. And there's a great scene of Alfred literally jumping in front of a rocket, like. Like they were gonna use a rocket launcher because okay. Gotham PD's weirdly funded, <laughs> and destroy the bat plane or something like that, and like, or maybe it was just a regular gun. I don't remember. But Alfred literally jumps in front of it and tackles Commissioner Gordon to save Bruce Wayne, and then gets arrested. It's it's an inc- hmm. like it's one of the the greatest Alfred moments. But and which one is that in? This was in the New Adventures of Batman. Okay, animated. It's a great episode. Highly recommends, especially considering what the twist is during it. But and then another one that always comes to mind. They did uh, Justice League when it was 
going from Justice League to Justice League Unlimited. Okay. They're all at Wayne Manor hiding out of the entire Justice League, and they get attacked, and there's a mess. And Alfred's just cleaning up glass in this destroyed <laughs> section of the manor. He's just like sweeping slowly. <laughs> it's just, and he's just like, oh, mind, the, mind the glass, sir, as, he, <laughs> as he's running through. And it's just very funny. But uh, Alfred in that show, he was, again, another supporting character, hmm. but uh, had a couple of moments to shine that I really hope, I really hope they have fun with Alfred. Alfred can be funny. I know yeah. we talked a little bit about it with Ray Fiennes, but Alfred can be funny. And I don't mind, I like sarcastic Alfred. Or, you know, even like Batman Forever. Can I persuade you to take a sandwich with you, sir? You know, like I, things like that. I think that's why I'm so curious about why they would cast Andy Serkis in this. Because he's... Like, if you just wanted to have Alfred be sort of a sidelined character, you know, put an unknown in there. But the fact that they put Andy Serkis in there, it's like, okay, they're drawing attention to this for some they reason. They did the yeah. same thing, though, with Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons is, is a pretty big actor. I would yeah, argue yeah. he's bigger than, than Andy Serkis. I would agree yeah. with you. Same with Michael Caine, too. Oh, yeah. You know, they're both big actors. So. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will discuss not uh, many of the residual individuals, but first up, Commissioner Gordon. Today's episode is brought to you by Ray's Energy Drinks from Rep Sports. Whether you're trying to crush your afternoon workout or just need a little extra pick-me-up, Ray's Energy is just the boost that you're going to need. So if you go to repsports.com and any product that you order, enter the code MISFIT89 at checkout to receive 15% off. Anything that you guys buy from that store helps our network grow, and we fully, fully appreciate everything you guys do. That's MISFIT89 at checkout, repsports.com. And we're back. Yes, we're back. Thank you so much for rejoining us after that commercial break. So we've been talking about all of the support staff that is involved in Bruce Wayne's life. Because you can't Bruce Wayne your life without some support. And we talked about Alfred the Butler. And now let's talk a little bit about Commissioner Gordon. Now, he is someone that you may not have paid enough attention to. And... Probably because, for the most part, he's been a sideline background figure until, I would argue, Gary Oldman in the Nolanverse when we first got to see, you know, where we saw a character actor who was doing something with that act, with that role. So let's talk a little bit about Alf, gosh, about Commissioner Gordon. Ronnie, what's your commission? What's your ideal Commissioner Gordon? I, I want. And experienced Commissioner Gordon. I feel like we might not get it because this is a young Batman that we are getting. Yeah, this uh, is. I'm hearing they're drawing from year one year and one. year two. Yeah, so I, I don't expect obviously for you know the new the Batman movie to really have an experienced Gordon, but I I prefer one. You know, you get that with Gary Oldman's character. You know, even in what we talked about last week, Batman, even. You know the animated series. You know he's a little bit more experienced and everything. I, I would again just want somebody who's experienced, who is with Batman, but he still kind of understands like the law is the law. You know, but we get that cops can't do certain things, so having a vigilante type is mm -hmm. okay under certain circumstances, and depending on what that person actually does. All right, Paul, what is your 
What character traits of a Commissioner Gordon do you absolutely need to have and would argue to the end? Commissioner Gordon has to have that unwavering sense of right or wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't mind shades of gray. I don't mind, you know, being good and evil is, is a very murky, especially as you get older and experience the real world. You know, when we're young, we have very idealistic notions of what is good, what is bad. This is right. This is wrong. Commissioner Gordon, his most defining character trait for me is loyalty. He is loyal to a fault. To he's to, loyal to what? To every, almost everything. Like one of yeah. the best moments in uh, in uh, Batman Begins is when he's watching Flask and Flask is doing his you know his corrupt police officer right. thing, and you know he asks you know you want a taste because it makes us all nervous when you don't take, and he's right. like you know I'm not a rat. But at this, I, can, I don't condone what you do, right. but I'm never going to throw somebody under the bus. And at that point, I think he's lieutenant, right? Uh, it's not, no, he's a detective. lieutenant by the end of it. I oh, think by he's the sar- end. maybe sergeant, sergeant, okay. but or maybe detective. I don't know. But he's lieutenant at the end because he corrects Batman. Okay. But for me, Commissioner James Gordon should always be that character. I don't mind him being flawed. You know, obviously there are interpretations where you know he cheats on his wife, this right. and that. I don't mind him being flawed, but the fact that James Gordon should always be the the absolute good in a world of grays you know gotham city police is a very corrupt organization and they've done plenty of shows and plenty of movies where they show what gotham pd is really like it's funny because in the original batman movies they just show gotham pd is kind of more inept than anything else yeah where mm-hmm. you know like with i forget who plays him in the four the four live action films but he's literally just oh that's pat, pat hangle yeah that's right and he's literally just there to call batman like that that's what he's there to do. He's there to turn, <laughs> turn, turn on the signal. signal. <laughs> and that that's what he does. Even in like the the sixties show, he was just there because also in the sixties show, Batman and Robin were, were deputized police officers technically. Yeah. Like they did that with Superman too. There's your fun fact. Fanny back motion. Yeah, I think we really like I was saying, we didn't really see much of Commissioner Gordon because we had Neil Hamilton playing him in the Batman early Batman films. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, early Batman series from nineteen sixty six and the sixty six film. Then we had Pat Hingle playing him in the Burton verse. And when I say Burton verse, I'm referring to all four films. And yes, I know not all four of them are Burton, but whatever. <laughs> and then we've got Gary Oldman playing him in the Nolan verse. <sighs> then we have J.K. Simmons. You forgot one. What did I forget? You forgot Ben McKenzie from Gotham. Oh, oh, I was sticking to film right now. I will come back oh, to okay. television. Yes. Then we've got J.K. Simmons in the Justice League. How do, Ronnie, how do you feel about J.K. Simmons in this role? There was, I, yeah, I, I ask that because I know I kind of sense that from you a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah, I just I don't know. I couldn't get a good read on him, like who he actually was. You know, there, there, there's just not much to his character in he's barely any version. Yeah. You know, so like there was no point in getting a big name. You know, J.K. Simmons yeah, in there. The point was. There was going to be more. Well, yeah, and he's going to be in Batgirl. He's playing Commissioner Gordon yeah, in Batgirl. He? Yeah. Which is weird because Michael Keaton's apparently in this as well. Yeah. What a mess. But still, it's just, I wish there was more to him. We, when you have Gordon in there, you need him to be doing stuff, not just standing around, which is basically all he did. Turning on the bicycle. Yeah, you know? (laughs) Well, I'll I'll argue, I know, because nobody asked me yet, but I I, was about to. I know, I know you are. (laughs) I can feel it. For me, the one of the biggest takeaways from J.K. Simmons' role as Commissioner Gordon, even in both cuts, because but basically he has the same. Nothing really changes right between now. cuts. There's just this long sense of history. That that's the only between thing between him and Batman. Between him and Batman, like he's talking to the to the cop who's like bringing him like pictures. He's like, come on, he's you know he beat up criminals in Gotham for twenty years. Now he's kidnapping people, and he, and he he just, just the way he delivers the line like 
I'll talk to him tonight. Like you could tell that they have a very long-standing relationship, and it is a shame that we never got to see it. Mm-hmm. I think obviously Snyder had more plans. Whether or not how how involved J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon is is up for debate. But then it lends you know to the point of before when we were asking should Alfred be a certain age or because mm-hmm. this is a Commissioner Gordon you could tell is about to retire. Yeah, yeah. like well, he's he's at the end of his career. And, he's been working with Batman. So and I just looked it up on IMDb. He's not listed listed in the Batman as Commissioner Gordon. He's listed as James Gordon. So he might not be commissioner in this. No, pro- he probably isn't. Yeah, he probably isn't. All right, so I, I want to ask you this since you brought up the idea that he has like a strong sense of right and wrong. How does Commissioner Gordon justify the idea of the presence of a vigilante in a system where really the police should be the ones who are enacting the law? Because he's the first one to recognize that sometimes the police, especially in Gotham City, are not equipped to deal with the circumstances that they have. Gotham PD is not going to be doing too much against a guy that shoots a freezing laser gun. So what is what do you feel then is Gotham PD's shortcoming then in terms of because you said not being able to not equipped to handle super villains yeah. you can say the same thing about metropolis pd you can say the same thing about nypd which is what that they can't handle super right villains. from what like is it a lack of funding is it a, a, a presence lack of, of... ability okay is, bruce is... batman is a not a normal human so he's a it... genius and like the, the highest peak but of... he's but bruce wayne is a man a so billionaire get, with infinite right. resources, infinite intelligence, so infinite writing. Plot I guess armor? what I'm asking then is, what exactly is the shortcoming of Gotham PD? Is it lack of individuals? Is it lack of of money? Lack of training? This, it's a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's a comic book. They're yeah. not designed to be able to hand, if 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 the reg, You could say the same thing about the military in comic books. You could say the same thing about other mm-hmm. vigilantes in comic books. What do you feel is Gotham PD's shortcoming? That they're not equipped to deal with supervillains because they're the most realistic aspect in this world. If a supervillain dropped down right now, mm. we'd all be screwed. Right. Like no matter yeah. no matter what kind of military might, no matter what kind of police force, the National Guard, anything like that, you need it, – it's a comic book. Right. Like I, I never really thought too much about Gotham <laughs> PDs because they're, the, they're not the focal point. Yeah. It, otherwise, we'd have you know a Gotham TV show. And even that, they still needed – by the end of it, yeah. they needed need Batman. Batman. Yep. Because it's called Batman, not not Gotham City Police. <laughs> so I guess Gotham PD is just doing the best that they can with what they have to work with. I think any superhero movie or TV show would be really boring. Like even like, imagine <laughs> if in Avengers, when Captain America drops down and the police are like, "No, we got this." <laughs> like, like, "Yeah, we're all right. Go, go home. home." Like you're you're fine. Like uh, it's just funny because it's just the military. All these things in, in comic books are always yeah. they're either de- depicted as corrupt, incompetent. Or some sort of combination of the both. Well, and I think that was like one of the things that I really liked about Batman Year One, which we talked about last week, was the idea that Jim Gordon is trying to work his way up through a sort of a corrupt system that is not ready to handle a supervillain or anything like that, and and is trying to do the best with what he has. And then he realizes he needs to rely on Batman in order to meet the needs of justice and, and of what Gotham really needs. And I think there's an underlying issue that's been brought up, especially in the Dark Knight series, uh, where they say that Gotham is dying. Gotham is poison. It's not just mm-hmm. the police in Gotham City. It's the entire system. Yeah. It's your mayors. It's your DAs. It's, it's your judges. Your judges. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, every, it's not even so much saying that the systems don't work. 
because we know that the systems can always be better. But in Gotham City, Gotham City is just such a poisoned place that yeah. everything's broken, and you need something like Batman, like even like a character like Commissioner Gordon, to to fix the system because the whole city's just and that's the whole point. Like Gotham's supposed to be like this dark, depressing, everything's broken, it's not worth saving type place. Then you have Metropolis where everything's sunshine, rainbow. Superman saved a cat out of a tree. <laughs> I love too in the the Lego Batman movie that Commissioner Gordon's sole job is just to flip the switch on the bat yeah. signal. <laughs> he carries the button around. Carries the button. But back just for a quick second on J.K. Simmons, I have always had a problem with J.K. Simmons in that role because he looks so much like J. Jonah Jameson in it. Well, it's the same person. Right, but even with <laughs> the mustache, thank you, Ronnie, for clearing that up. But like, even just the mustache, and, and although the affect is somewhat different, these two idiots... <laughs> I, w- I would argue... I, I see where... I, see, I do agree with what you're saying, yeah. especially now that he looks the exact same in the he in does. the new movie. If he had still had the same hair in No Way Home, it might have been a different issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I will argue though that if you were to put th- this his portrayal of Commissioner Gordon is very low key almost. Okay. And then <clears throat> when he talks as J. Jonas Amison, he is like he everything yeah. about oh, that character he just yeah. personifies. But it makes you wonder, had imagine if in the first Spider Man movie, J.K. Simmons had just been a cameo. Like instead of having an actual mm-hmm. role in the film, there was one scene where he, you know, he still acted like he did. He still portrayed, but it was just the one scene. Yeah, we would be saying the exact same thing about him from the Spider-Man movies. Unfortunately, yeah. it's it was great casting for me anyway. Like I was excited to hear it. And I love J.K. Simmons. So, you know, put him in a movie. I'll, I'll usually watch it. Oh yeah, I've I've seen it. Like he's got a great two season show called Counterpart, where he he plays two versions of himself. And he is—he's discovered that the government has figured out a, a an opening to another mirror world, and so he plays to these two versions, and he needs to interact with them. It's—it's it's very Cold Warish, mm-hmm. but the fact that he can play two versions of this character is, is amazing. And you know, I've—we know him from Whiplash and everything from that. He's—he's he's an amazing actor, yeah. but just to see him so low key like this, I think though, is jarring. The, the reason I appreciate it is he just seems tired. He seems oh, yeah. like that makes sense. And right. imagine, imagine twenty years you've been working with Batman, and things have only gotten worse. Mm. And you know, he makes the, the joke about nice to see you playing well with others. And you have to imagine that he was there when Robin died. Right. He was there with you know. We don't know what's happened with his daughter in this continuity. We don't know when the Batgirl series is going to take place. What how it's how it's going to end? Unfortunately, because it does. You know, yeah. Barbara Gordon gets paralyzed in the comics, so. I th- I feel like this version of Commissioner Gordon is it's like the Dark Knight Rise or Dark Knight Returns where at, he's at the end of his career and he's just yeah. like man, did we even make a difference? So in other than putting Gary Oldman aside, would you say then that Commissioner Gordon is fairly static? I think he's uh, he's changed in more recent years. Okay. Yeah, I I would agree. I think he's definitely a static character, but. You know, I'm hoping that he becomes a little bit more dynamic. I feel like, you know, Commissioner Gordon should be a dynamic character mm. based off of his roles, not just, you know, as a buddy with Batman, but also as a commissioner of a police force. Okay. And then finally, we get to Jeffrey Wright. Now, Jeffrey Wright is, he is Jim Gordon, we should say. I am mm-hmm. so excited for him. Why? Because just from seeing the trailers, it almost looks like he's the only one that's like, 
So we don't know too much about this movie. We know very vague plot details. Right. We know that like Riddler's kind of this Zodiac type character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's leaving messages now for Batman. And it, it almost seems like Batman's around. He's doing his thing. Not everybody agrees with it, but it feels like Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Wright, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the one that brings him into this. And he's like, he's the, he might even be the only person that thinks that Batman is a good idea. So I'm curious to see how that, and now like clips are starting to come out that I'm trying to avoid, yeah, but right. there's this one where apparently Batman punches him in the face Oof. in a deliberate kind of way, like to escape from what he was like, something along those lines. But I can't wait to see their relationship grow and evolve. So let's talking about Jeffrey Wright. So the things that we know him from, like things like the hunger Games, James Bond. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. He's, he's in, Felix, he plays a uh, Felix lighter. Yeah. Um, Everything that I've always seen Jeffrey Wright in, he's always been like, he's a good, reliable, oh, I know him a lot from Westworld. Mm, um, very good in Westworld. Yes. He was the in, in the MCU, he's the Watcher. He's a good, reliable, solid actor. Knowing that about Jeffrey Wright, then what does that suggest about what Matt Reeves is doing with that character? Who knows? No. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like he's going to be, you know, like we were just talking about, is he static or is he dynamic? I feel like he's going to be a dynamic character in this movie. I think mm. he's going to be a big focal point, too. I think he's going to have a lot more um, to do and be a lot more involved than we've seen in probably any Batman movie or even, you know, show. At least that's what I'm hoping for, and that's kind of the vibe that I am getting mm-hmm. uh, from the trailers that we've seen and everything. But I, I'm excited to see what he does with it. Mm-hmm. Paul? I, I don't ever think that they should write a character based around the actor they want for him. No. Right? So, like, But that it, doesn't mean they don't. They don't. They do. Yeah. They definitely do. There are plenty of times where they where casting directors like, I want this actor. I wrote for this actor. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. That's fine. As far as we know, that was not the case. And also, I don't ever recommend that for pre-established characters like you shouldn't write the batman you shouldn't write a character like batman thinking about the actor you want you should write the character and then find the actor that best suits him so i i want to err on the side of caution and think they wrote commissioner gordon and jeffrey wright was the best person for him Mm -hmm. which i'm excited for he's a great actor i enjoy his work i i am a little curious to see what kind of physicality he's going to bring to it because gary oldman was the most physical commissioner gordon we've gotten with the exception of the animated series where Commissioner Gordon was a much more physical character, or even like Batman Year One, where it's right. literally... Yeah. Just- as Ronnie was saying last week with Batman Year One, I think you were saying something along the lines of that you've never imagined him as sort of like the action hero. Yeah. And it's it's going to be hard to imagine Jeffrey Wright as... <laughs> action as, hero Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. Which isn't to say he can't do it. Like, we've been surprised before by, by actors who have done action-type roles. But I want to see him... He needs to have a good balance point with Batman and also with the Gotham PD because we don't know anything about the Gotham PD either no we because you know in some interpretations they're incredibly corrupt in other interpretations like I said they're they're totally inept and then in other interpretations they're just people going to work trying their best in a world that's crazy on a side note too I should note that Jeffrey Wright is age-wise is in his late 50s so the fact that they're putting him in as Commissioner Gordon suggests not quite that action hero Commissioner Gordon, but more of a a reliable man of the law with with of. a certain experience and skill set, yeah. and and I think it should counterpoint a very young Batman, which I don't have a problem with because 
you know, there, there are plenty of times where they view each other as equals, but I don't mind Commissioner Gordon having 20, 30 years on this, basically this kid playing dress up. Yeah. Oddly enough, Andy Serkis is almost the exact same age as Jeffrey Wright. Interesting. Yeah, yes. Very interesting. No. But I don't know. I want to see. I want to see what kind of world this Batman takes place in. Is is Gotham PD incredibly corrupt? Has you know Jim Gordon been work? Is he even a commissioner or a detective? What does he do? So that wraps up for Commissioner Gordon. But we want to just briefly touch upon some of the other people that play a role in Batman's life. Now we are saying these things not knowing. If they're going to be in the Batman, or if they're, or what kind of a role they play in the Batman. Like for example, Lucius Fox. We do not know if he is going to be in the Batman from what we can tell so far. Is that accurate to say? It looks like Alfred and Bruce Wayne are doing a lot of things on their own. Okay. Yeah. Like I think the the new Batmobile was apparently like built by that Bruce Wayne. It was built by Mad Max. A little bit. <laughs> But uh, as far as we know, Lucius Fox is not included at all. Okay. Yeah. So, again, for those who are the uninitiated, Lucius Fox is the individual who is sort of the brain trust behind a lot of the technology that is Batman. He's the one that creates the Batmobile, creates a lot of his armor, his weapons, his gadgets, and stuff like that. And he's played by Morgan Freeman in the Nolan verse. But from what we can tell, we don't know if he's in this. And if that's the case, we don't know who's actually creating the tech. Well, Lucius Fox is also a much more later addition to the Batman mythos. And mm-hmm. He came out in the late 70s. You know, okay. Batman had already been flying around for like 40 years. But most people know him from Morgan Freeman. You know, he's yeah, not right. He, he's, it's only more recent years that suddenly he's like a the big new part. 52. The new 52. Okay. Yeah. Uh, his son, Luke Fox, took over as a character named Batwing in mm-hmm. the comics, if memory serves okay. correct. Yep. Kind of like a Iron Man type Batman thing. Now, another person that we do know is definitely in the movie, but we don't know exactly what her role is in terms of being a support for Batman, is Catwoman. I'm psyched. So how, when, Ronnie, give us some background about Catwoman, about when she has been a support for Batman. Never. (laughs) (laughs) She's never really been a support. She's always been playing the opposite side. I mean, in the way. Yeah. But, I mean, you, you, you had her, you have Halle Berry. Oh, God. No. What do you mean, no? Yes. Come on. You're telling me that that wasn't good? I watch. Actually, I can say I've never seen the movie. Really? Yes. And I actually have it on our schedule for August. So we will be talking about Catwoman for August. I mean, obviously, it's not a good movie. Hence, in August, we are looking at the dog days of summer. So we're looking at nothing (laughs) but bad movies in August. Hence why I put Catwoman on there. Yeah. I know we've had Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, yep. But Who, when that she did a good job. Okay. When, when have we ever? When Michelle Pfeiffer, of course. Yeah. Um, has Catwoman ever been a support for Batman? Yes. When? When they got engaged. Yeah. Oh, that's Selena right. Kyle. I do remember that when they were getting engaged. Yeah, Batman and Selena Kyle have always had a relationship <clears throat> where yes. their paths constantly cross, but usually it's because Selena's doing something for herself. To further her own agenda. She, most of the time, she'll do the right thing mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to Batman, not necessarily for other people, because mm-hmm. she is in love with Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's like Ronnie said, she's really, it's her agenda. And then if it happens to coincide with, she's a very, like a black cat type character yeah. where she's in love with the main character, but she's also in love with herself. Yeah. You know, can't remember it. Put words together first. What, what's the thing that's as deadly if you eat it? Mistletoe? Oh, thank you. Mistletoe. Mistletoe is deadly if you eat it. Yeah, but a kiss can be deadlier if you eat it. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So we also have... Now, this is someone I don't know too much about, Dr. Leslie Tompkins. 
Yes. Dr. Leslie Tompkins, she was played by Marina Baccarin. Yes. In, in Gotham, which is where she kind of got a little bit more time to shine. She hasn't been in any of the main movies. Is she no. in the comics at all? Yes. Okay. Leslie Tompkins has been around but for a long time. But she's only been shown in Gotham. Correct. Okay. As far yeah. as I know, yeah. But uh, she's another character. Longstanding relationship with the, the Wayne family. I believe most iterations show that her and Thomas Wayne went to medical school together. So yep. she's about the same age as uh, Bruce's parents. And she's another one, maternal figure to... Uh, Bruce Wayne, Bruce, yeah. you know, kind of not afraid to like tell it how it is and stuff okay. like that. So I don't, I, I, I'd be curious to see if they ever put her right. in. And since we bring it up, let's very briefly talk about Gotham's Ben McKenzie. Now, I, I cannot talk about this. I've only seen one episode of Gotham. So what, what can you tell me about his Commissioner Gordon? I mean, he wasn't a Commissioner Gordon. He was just a detective okay. during the show. I didn't see the entire show. I'd say I saw maybe the first two seasons, maybe some of the third. But he, I did enjoy his character. I because he was a detective, he was. It, the show basically was more about the city of Gotham than it was about Batman. So he was heavily involved in it. He was, I, I would say, he was basically like the main character other than Bruce Wayne. So you you did get a lot of. Uh, Again, Detective Gordon in that. So it was almost like a uh, police procedural, procedural okay. type of show with a little bit of Batman, you know, influence into it. I would have much. I've, I've spoken about Gotham before. I never watched it just because it didn't really. It didn't appeal to me, especially after ten years of Smallville, waiting, waiting for Clark Kent to become Superman. Yeah, because Bat. Does Bruce Wayne ever really show up? Oh, Bruce Wayne's a, a main character in the Bruce show. Bruce Wayne, yeah, it, but it's a. Kid Bruce, right? That's that's yeah. Sort of the, the, like literally, at. the show starts off almost like right after the death of the Waynes, yeah. And it it, it does end with him becoming Batman, yes. but it ends with him becoming exactly. Batman. They but, do a lot of like prototype but it makes Batman sense stuff because it's it, it's Gotham. It's it wasn't a yeah. Batman show, so it's almost like Bruce Wayne's childhood, but not through the lens of Bruce Wayne, through the lens of the city. I would have been much happier had they done a show like Gotham where it takes place in the modern Batman era mm-hmm. and it is a cop you could do a cop procedural show like a Law and Order SVU but just in the world of Batman I think yeah, that would have yeah. been really interesting well that's the comic Gotham PD kind of does yeah. that which I would love to see that be they tried to, to do it with what was that comedy show they did Super or something like that or oh, Power or something yeah. like that where it's like the all the aftermath sort of the fallout yeah, yeah. And then we also have now, we've mentioned these names for you, so that way when you're watching The Batman, you can feel smart and feel eagle-eyed. Uh, you've got Harvey Bullock from Gotham PD. Who is Harvey Bullock? He's a detective and usually partnered with Jim Gordon and then yeah. eventually, you know, his lieutenant. Some versions have him just being like dopey and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like a good cop at the same time. Like a, he hates Batman though. Like yeah. he's very like, almost like a J. Jonah Jameson to Spider-Man. Just okay. does nothing but disparage and he's like, we don't need that furry, blah, blah, blah. But, and then you have like in Gotham, he's more of like a, cor- I don't um, really, because I'm not too familiar it, with Gotham. In Gotham, he was... He was basically like the go-to guy. So he was basically... Was he played by Lin- Linus Roche? I don't know. Oh, I That's look. a great thing you can All look right, up. Guy, keep no, talking. Uh, I'll look it up. Do- Donald Logue. Yeah. I mean, sorry, Donald Logue. Yes. I always get those two names mixed up. Um, yeah, so he was kind of... He was kind of like the go-to guy. So, yes, he was a little corrupt in, in Gotham mm. while James Gordon was by the books, you know, like he's supposed to be. So it, it he's almost like, oh, come on, what's his name? 
You Shoot. got this. I can't remember his name. Flask? Yeah. He, oh, he's, Flask. Al- he's almost like a Flask kind of character. Yeah. In a way. Okay. Renee Montoya, who is also on Gotham PD. Now, am I thinking correctly? Was that played by Rosie Perez? Correct. In, Har- in Harley Quinn. In Harley Quinn. Renee Montoya is a... She is a, a moral... Uh, character. She's often portrayed, if I'm correct, isn't she usually LGBTQ? Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she is someone who is always sort of, yeah, she's she's moral. She's she's for justice. She's always on um, Commissioner Gordon's side, even mm-hmm. when he's not commissioner. And uh, he's a good, she's a good support for him, too. Again, yeah. I would be totally okay. And she does become the question, too, eventually. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yep. She, was be, in Gotham, she was Bat in Gotham. She was in Gotham. Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The character, obviously. Um, I would be totally okay. Again, I would love to see a Gotham PD show. Yeah. With HBO Max is sitting on a gold mine of, of content that they just... And Peacemaker just showed that we would love that kind of... I'd love a Peacemaker-style show with Gotham PD right. at, the, at the forefront. And it's like dealing with the fallout mm-hmm. of all of this Batman stuff. All right, here's my pitch for HBO. Hit it. Gotham PD... Crossed with Brooklyn Nine Nine, I'd be okay with it. I'd watch. I'd watch it ten trillion percent. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be a lot of fun for them. I just want to see the reaction. Like some mm-hmm. of these cops, like just drive. All right, I'm gonna go get lunch, and you just see two guys hanging from a street lamp because Batman just caught yep. them, and they're like, "Hey, right, hold off on tacos. We gotta get these two guys down." No, it's more. What do I do right now? <laughs> and then also we have Harvey Dent, which we know as will eventually become Two Face. However, you do have to remember that Harvey Dent was the is he public defender? No, he's district, pub, uh, district, uh, district attorney. attorney. Okay, he is district attorney, and you know he and, and Commissioner Gordon definitely have an agenda for some things that they're trying to do with reforming Gotham and reforming Gotham PD um, until he, of course, finally becomes Two Face. Then we also have Ace the Bat Hound. We love Ace the Bat Hound. Tell me about Ace the Bat Hound. So <laughs> who my... I'm guessing, you know, I'm going out on a limb here. But I'm guessing is not going to be showing up in the Batman. It's always a possibility that he has a dog. There's always that possibility. Come here, Ace. So Ace the Bat Hound is a character that was introduced during a big push of animal superheroes. <laughs> like literally, you, Crypto made it popular, and then suddenly you had the Super Chimp, the Super Pony, like the Bat Hounds, all these animals that were based off of a respective superhero they all had one i would argue detective chimp did it best oh i would not disagree ah, detective pikachu detective pikachu <laughs> wrong one uh, but my first interaction or no well not interaction my first seeing ace Bathound was actually in batman beyond where he's he's a main character almost in the batman mythos because elderly bruce wayne saves him from a dog fighting ring and he becomes exceptionally loyal to bruce wayne and they do episodes about ace the Bathound, and i really do enjoy I, I enjoy anything that Bruce Wayne ha- loves, mm-hmm. like a, a character that he just has this unquestioning loyalty for, and that's Ace the Bat Hound most of the time. Very cool. So we will be wrapping up now, and I guess in order to wrap up, I want to suggest, because this is the last time you'll be hearing from us before we see the Batman, what do you hope to see from the Batman, Ronnie? Batman. All right. I think we can meet those expectations. <laughs> no, I, I, he's not in the movie at all, yeah, right? Oh, man. <laughs> it, it's all Bruce Wayne. What do you mean this is about Gotham PD? <laughs> the best uh, viral marketing ever. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm not hoping for much. I'm hoping, the one thing I'm hoping for is this is just a course correction for DC. Mm-hmm. What? 
No, I know it needs a it's a mess. Okay, <laughs> I was like, I was like, are you oh, about to disagree? Turning with pink. <laughs> I wanted to fight you on it, but it, DC's a mess. Yeah. So, uh, again, I, I'm hoping for a good movie mm-hmm. and just there. What you, a, how, what's good for you? I think a good movie is is we get the story that we want, right? So okay. they're saying year one, mm-hmm. year two ish. So if they kind of stay with the storyline of year one because it's a fantastic storyline. So I think if you stay with that, you know, everyone does their part, meaning the actors are actually involved, engaged, you know, because we've seen movies where actors, you could just tell, don't want to be there, which doesn't seem the case. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem like this is the case with this movie. So I'm just hoping that we get a lot of good stuff in there where there's the storyline, we get some character growth, we see the potential of Robert Pattinson to be Batman in another movie or two, mm. you know, depending on how far they want to take this. I'm also kind of hoping that it ties into, in a way, with some of the current DCEU stuff, okay. whether it's, you know, like a multiverse type of thing almost where, you know, Flash kind of can make an appearance almost. Do you want goes... Flash to make an appearance? Post credit scene. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? I would hope so. Yeah. Okay. I'd be okay, I'd be I think okay with it. because because of what we know from the Flash movie, you know, there's going to be that where he's traveling from one dimension to another, or another world to another world. That I'm hoping we do get it. If we don't, will I be disappointed? Yes, but not so much where it's going to be like, oh, well, this movie went from a four to a three five right. or something like that. Right. What do you want from Batman? I want a detective story. I want okay. I want the Departed with Batman in it. Like I want Ooh. a crime thriller. It's just as long. It is. It's a long movie. It's a three hour movie. Yeah. I want it to be filled with twists and turns and things we don't see coming. And just I want Batman to be challenged intellectually. We have not gotten that yet. Batman is the world's greatest detective, but I don't feel like we ever get that. We've seen plenty of interpretations where he's very smart. Like, he figures out things. And Batman he, versus Superman. Batman versus Superman. Like, you know, he's building all that stuff. He builds a kryptonite grenade and kryptonite spear. Like, cool. That, that shows he's intelligent, but I want to see him detective. really do the detective stuff and be more than just a brute because i'm also a little worried like he's very unhinged in this he's very violent in this yeah and i think to start off with a batman that's so excessively violent is like it's it's worrisome right because usually the excessively violent batman is one that's a later career batman that's been doing it for so long and he's just just broken same Mm -hmm. with like jim gordon just tired Mm. you know even like in spider-man no way home andrew garfield spider-man mentions you know eventually i stopped pulling my punches because i was just so at that point yeah so I'd rather see, and, and also it makes Batman look crazier, and it just doesn't, I want, you know, don't get me wrong, I want it complicated, and, but like, even like the Bruce Wayne persona, like, they're saying that he's, he's viewed as an eccentric weirdo, not even like the Playboy, and I'm like, okay. So for me, I want to see in this new Batman movie, my biggest expectation is make it a detective film, make Batman smart, and, but also make the Riddler just as smart, if not smarter. Like, I want to see like, Heath Ledger style of Joker right. shenanigans. Like, mm-hmm. here's my pl- here's your plan, but here's my plan, 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 plan. I am hoping for a seven style film here, and what I mean by that is one where again it is that that complex mystery where they're constantly chasing after uh, a somewhat 
serial. I, I don't want to say serial killer because and, I don't know if yeah, uh, uh, something where they're chasing after like a serial, cha- chaotic someone who's constantly bringing chaos to the almost like seven. Yeah. <laughs> in se- but bit. he killed it's people in seven. I don't, and I don't have a problem with uh, rather killing people. See, no. I, I think that would take it a little bit too far. Like, like in he's in the Batman duct- world, he's duct taping somebody. <laughs> but I feel like in the Batman world, death takes it just a, a step too far. Where I think it needs to be all about just chaos and and throwing people into psychosis. And I so think the Riddler okay with Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger killing people. I guess I am. <laughs> so I, I'm hoping for a seven style where, and here's why I want that. Yeah, I want it to be a constant mystery. I want it to be something that is deliberately paced, something that doesn't rush. Like I, I'm thinking of like a Venom film where you know they rush things so much. If they rush this and it's three hours, I Jesus know, holy Christmas. <laughs> so something that's slow, something that builds, something that burns. And and I, this is going to cause some problems. Something that has a dour ending. I'm fine with I that. I feel yeah. like there needs. I don't feel like there needs. You know, I'm thinking about like the Burton Batman, where at the end he got he gets Joker and Joker dies. I don't think we need that. I th- how great would it be if we got? And again, spoilers for seven. How great would it be if we got sort of like a you know Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box yeah. kind of ending? Where it is just dour and awful, and like, oh, Batman should have done this. That would be mm. so cool, and we'd be talking about it for years and all over social media. So that, yeah. that's kind of what I want from a Batman. Awesome. Okay, so thank you everyone for joining us again. We are the Multiverse Fancast. Don't forget you can take us on the go with Podbeam, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and other listening stations. Please take some time out of your schedule and check out the misfitfaction.com on the misfit faction we have articles podcasts from our sister stations and shows like cinematic adventures and mf uncensored and bibliophiles assemble we have lots of articles on there on many of the shows and books that you've come to love over the years and we have lots of upcoming stuff like merch Merchandising. We've Merchandising. Got, we've got lots of that on there, and we hope you could buy some of our stuff so you could represent in today's culture. And, of course, we also have our affiliates program on there. Anything you want to say about that? Sponsorship.podbean.com slash Misfit Faction or podbean.com slash Misfit Faction. I said it all at the beginning. I forgot what I said. Groovy. Word. So thank you, everyone. We will see you on the other side of the Batman. Until then, I'm Rob. And I'm Paul. And I'm Ronnie. And we'll be back in... Oh. Flash? <laughs>